It's good Mike's not on here because he would let this go on for like a minute and a half. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the uh, inaugural episode of Formula Vaughn. We're uh, a new Formula One podcast because we figured there weren't enough of those around in the internet. And uh, I'm Stuart. I'm joined by Scott, who you may have uh, heard on the, the Valiant 33. And we are part of the Valiant 33 network. So I guess the first question to ask is, uh, Scott, how did you get into F1? Well, excited to be here, you know. Um, we excited to be decided to do this. You know, I'm really excited uh, that I'm doing this uh, Serie V with Evan, but also I just recently got into Formula One, so excited about that. Um, you know, I, you and I think Mike and my brother-in-law have been telling me forever to watch this Drive to Survive on Netflix, like during COVID and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I finally got around to watch it. My wife was really interested in watching it. So we sat down and watched a couple episodes and immediately hooked. Um, I think her and I (laughs) watched the first four seasons in a week's time. We were doing two or three episodes a night. And so I... For anyone listening, he also has two young children. So that's incredibly impressive. Oh, it, it became a like ritual, like put the kids to sleep watch two to three episodes and go to bed. Yeah. And it's like, can we get another one in tonight? Because if we started yeah. it, you know, we would definitely finish. And, you know, I, I know I've done a lot of research since then. I was immediately hooked. I'm a, I'm a, so I'm a newer fan. I find from that perspective. And I've done a lot of research. But um, I also realize, you know, Drive to Survive has a lot of those uh, dramatic twists that aren't necessarily true, which I may be asking you in future podcasts. But here to learn, I think, Stu, you've been a fan longer than i have yeah just a bit longer so uh like the formula one was kind of honestly nascar is where i started so my my dad was big into nascar in the 90s and then i got into f1 awkwardly through sim racing on my computer and then the first race i watched was the uh yeah was the uh the 1998 uh suzuka japanese grand prix and the, the thing that really got me hooked was that in NASCAR, like the engines were carbureted, they were V8s, they were making a ridiculous amount of power, but they were an engine that wasn't run at that time anymore because we had better technology. Goodyear had their last race and they wanted Michael Schumacher to win the race. So they brought 17 different compounds of tire to give him the best chance of winning the race. Awkwardly, he would bow out because he had a tire blowout and he lost the race. But um, that type of technology that they were doing was just insane to me at the time. And I've watched every race since. That's great. And it's funny you say that about the tires. Like That's one of the most intriguing parts of the strategy to me right now is how these teams are pitting and deciding which tires to use throughout the race. It's... I'm still learning. It's like a foreign language. I'm like, well, why did they, sometimes I'm texting you and Mike and people like, why did they select those tires? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's difficult because the, the tires change every weekend, even though they, they so they changed the tires a couple of years ago because literally they had ultra soft, hyper soft, um, super soft. And between the three of them, I don't remember which one was the softest. I want to say, Hypersoft was, but Ultra may have been the. I know Supersoft was like 
the least soft of the three. But what they have now is they have five different tires, but the soft tire can be one of three. The medium can be one of three and the hard can be one of three. So it and, and the and the soft soft ones are the fastest, correct? Yeah, the softest ones are, are the fastest. They're they're the reds. The mediums are always the uh the white gray one and then um nope, getting that wrong. So I'm completely an, I'm an idiot now, so no one will ever listen to this podcast again. <laughs> stat we'll have a stat check at the end. Yeah, the uh mediums are the yellow and uh hards are the white. That makes sense. Yeah. Now not every team uses the same tire manufacturer, correct? Yes, yes. Since um two thousand seven, they did have a tire war with um Michelin was in from 2001 to 2007, uh, or sorry, 2006. And then there was a huge issue in the 2005 U.S. Grand Prix where there were only six competitors who are the Bridgestone tires because the Michelin tires were falling apart. And F1 cars aren't really made to hit a wall the same way that an Indy car is, for example. So... It, it was a it was a problem, and there were political things going on. We'll probably discuss this in a future podcast. But since then, F1's kind of decided we're not going to have tire wars. People get hurt in tire wars. Let's just have one one manufacturer. That's cool. I find it interesting also that like all these teams kind of create their own cars in their own way. You know, there's certainly rules and regulations, mm-hmm. but uh, you got some playing kind of money ball, which I kind of like, and then you know some make their own engines, some borrow from other manufacturers yeah that's i think the part that it it's the easiest way to explain to people what makes f1 special is that WEC, indycar nascar um any other super formula any other like racing series whether it's open wheel or closed wheel it's typically that they're buying the car from someone else wec lamont the top tier, the the top tier, they're making their own car, but they can still, in the right situation, buy that car from someone else. It's a regulation that every team make their own car in F one, um, which is neat because they're they're constantly changing it, they're constantly updating it, and a car that might be crap at the start of the season, a Kauf Mercedes, gets better throughout the year. That's cool. Yeah, I read somewhere there was like a rule in place where you could like copy a car, and they voted against it. Yeah, the, the most recent example of that, and we're just, I'm just going to nerd out apparently, is in... Um, That's why you're here, man. Yeah, 2000, 2006 to 2008, Red Bull, with at the time Scuderia Toro Rosso, made one car for the two teams. And mm-hmm. they would just make a part. With the way F1 is, the Red Bull team was probably getting those parts a little bit earlier um, if they only had two examples but they were basically had two two teams on the grid making um the same car and actually scuderia toro rosso was the one to to first win over red bull um now they're alpatori but yeah there were some issues with that you can still buy certain parts like i know haas buys a lot of parts from ferrari um I want to say Aston Martin buys a lot of parts from Mercedes and Williams for Williams may be buying some parts, I think for Mercedes as well. It's hard to, it's sometimes hard to keep track. I respect Williams. They do a lot of um, making a lot themselves. 
but enough of the boring uh, building. What like let's get to some drivers. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it, it's interesting. You know, I'd, I'd like to hear your perspective. Who who's like your favorite driver on the grid right now? Maybe your least favorite. Yeah. So it's my favorite driver is Sebastian Vettel, which we'll talk about later. Why that's kind of sad at this point. Um, and probably my least favorite is Alonso. So um, I started liking Vettel. Yeah, go ahead. So so I started liking Vettel because um, I've always liked Red Bull. I liked them when they were Jaguar, and I originally liked them because they were Stewart, and I have Scottish heritage, so Jackie Stewart is a three-time F1 champion from Scotland, so that's where it all came from. And he, he started driving for Scuderia Toro Rosso, awkwardly taking the seat from uh, Scott Speed, who was an American, and then it just went from there. Awkwardly, we look almost exactly the same. Um, and <laughs> I just never got hair plugs like he did. Um, so that's that's why I like him. And Alonzo was kind of his nemesis at the time. And um, for like a better term, just if you like Alonzo, there's, there's obviously there's no problem with that. It's the... Uh, Every driver on the grid who's actually going to be any good is an asshole. <laughs> and he uh, he kind of has a special a special case of that, I would say. It's funny that you say that about Vettel, though. Um, when we first started watching Drive to Survive, my wife and I, my wife says, he just doesn't look like a racer. He looks like your friend Stu with hair. <laughs> I just started yeah. laughing hysterically <laughs> because I knew he was one of your favorites. Yeah. No, I, I really like him too. Uh, I, I really like how he—he's a good driver, but he's also not afraid to kind of say what's on his mind and to talk about change, whether it's climate change or um, things going on in the world. Um, whether he gets fined on that and stuff, I have a lot of respect for that. Yeah, he's—he's he's gotten in trouble for saying stuff like that. But so, who do you, in your time in the sport, who do you follow? Well, I mean, you know, you know, it's it's tough, you know, because it's been like drive to survive and watching racing highlights mainly. But I really took a liking to Esteban Ocon. Um, mm-hmm. People can't see me right now, but I ordered one of his Renault racing hats yeah. right now. Um, I get my question to you. Like, I, I really like where he comes from, those humble beginnings. You know, his parents kind mm-hmm. of sold all their um, businesses and they kind of sold their house and went around a motorhome to finance his racing and he just very humble works seems to work very hard but he doesn't have like he seems to have a huge fan base and i guess maybe that's because he's not really outspoken and not doesn't have a big personality it, yeah there's um it, for one thing it's tough being alonzo's teammate because alonzo does have a huge following um for a number of reasons and i, I would um but it's 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 awkwardly it's hard being a French driver in F1 and everyone kind of just goes to Pierre Gasly and there's been a lot of weirdness with Renault and Alpine in the last 10 15 years so and Renault is Alpine correct they just kind of yeah yeah it's the um I don't know in the car world Alpine's like the the STI to Subaru the GTI to Volkswagen and the TRD to Toyota. So the performance division, but they don't really sell that in the U.S. So it's difficult. Well, they don't sell. They sell Nissans, which are owned by Renault, but no one else. That's knows cool. That. See, I learned something. I didn't know that. Yeah. So why did you looking at a Nissan minivan? 
the, the logo. Never do yeah. that. <laughs> when you get two kids and maybe a dog, that's what happens. Yeah, well, I mean, I've got, I've always loved hatchbacks, and we've got a station wagon, so we're, we're halfway there. You know? Um, but, it, yeah, it's, it feels like the, the internet, people always get their favorite drivers based on random things, and the biggest thing I remember from the, uh, the Drive to Survive, or not the Drive, the F1 podcast about Estefan Ocon, other than his, uh, the fact that he, uh, sleeps like 13 hours a day and eats and never it like eats 12,000 calories a day and never gains any weight, which made me a little disappointed. Yeah. Um, he, it was how he grew up and how his family really struggled to get him there, which is kind of rare. I mean, you can argue that for, um, Lewis as well. My wife's a big Lewis Hamilton fan. Mm -hmm. What do you, what do you have to say about that? By the way? She she that um, she took liking to him. She loves a dog. She's all in on the fashion. She thinks he's great with you know his causes and his driving capabilities. I, so my biggest thing with and I don't mind him either. Yeah. Lewis. So I, I want to hear what you what you think. I guess. <laughs> so my biggest my biggest thing with Lewis it, it's more a most of the journals we have are British and the British love to support themselves and the only really good f1 driver before the only driver who really had a chance of winning a world championship was nigel mansell who did everything he could for a number of years to not win a world championship finally did in 1992 but lewis won his first championship in 2008 so there was a period of time and then he went to mercedes for a number of reasons but then they were playing I guess the, to bring this back to the V33 network, uh, the the Man City approach to F1 teams of spending 400, 500, 600 million dollars a year. And I'm not saying he's not a great driver, but he got in the right seat at the right time. And I wish he was nicer to his crew when they were do, telling him to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen all that. You've told me that, I think, but... Mm-hmm. From what I've seen, he's usually pretty um, gracious to his pit crew and everything. Um, I also read that book, The Mechanic, with you know mm-hmm. when he's in the McLaren team with Mark Priestley, some of those stories. But yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how things go when I follow it more closely. But um, as far as my least favorite, though, uh, I think I agree with you on Alonso. Not not just like <laughs> the recent, you know, we'll get to a lot of this Alpine Renault stuff. Um, him vaulting and taking Vettel's spot. But it just seems like he bounces around a lot. And in some of these places, he wants kind of like takes control. Like he thinks, you know, hey, I'm a former champion. This is how we need to do it. I don't necessarily like that attitude, like kind of a non-team player. Yeah. Like in the most recent race when um, Ocon passed him and then did the typical thing, which is pushing the driver off the track, which I don't love, but it's part of the sport. He was like, I've never seen anything like that ever in my career. And I'm sure a little bit of it is translation from Spanish to English, but it was things like that were starting to get on my nerves. And the media was finally picking it up when he was at McLaren right before he retired for the first time. And it's like, I have drove the fastest lap I've ever driven every weekend, he would say that. And it's just like, 
we get it. He, I would say he's probably still the fastest driver on the grid. His personality has just blocked him from any of the top teams. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, Alonzo fans are going to hate this podcast, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we're going to get <laughs> many of them to uh, stick around. But uh... And, you know, I don't know much about Checo, but, I've, I, you know, my brief interactions I've seen, you know, and that could have been because of the Ocon controversy when they were at Force India together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I won't go into all the drivers. I have my feelings on that, all of them, but yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I and, could bring a lot about every driver. Yeah, I, I will say that's that's probably the biggest thing from DTS to get to get you to actually really care about it because it, it is the drivers. So Formula One is a team sport. It's all about the constructors, and but the way to keep it keep someone interested in formula one is to follow that driver because that's the thing that's talking that's the thing that you can relate to that you can get excited about yeah i mean as far as teams like i love haas because of um gunther Mm -hmm. and um williams i really i watched some of their behind the stuff uh behind the scenes stuff and i just love the way they operate kind of like moneyball but it's like like i think you guys told me you're you're not going to have fun with it if you just cheer for these terrible teams. You know, like, yeah, like it's it, like uh, on the grid. Cheer for them, I like, but... Yeah, like I, I like Red Bull. I also like Alcatore. I like um, Haas, just because they're basically my local team because they're forty minutes drive away from my house. And um, but yeah, the, the Williams story is great. It's. It's hard to pick like a, your favorite team, but it's a lot easier to go to the driver's list and be like, okay, like him, he's a jerk, he's a jerk, he's okay, he's cool. And Yeah, and a lot of times you find that some of these teams have a jerk and a guy you like, and it kind of stinks. But then mm-hmm. that's why you see people blocking each other or team strategy. It's just, it's, it's funny to me. I don't know. It's, it's very interesting. It's like a soap opera. It, yeah, it's very, I mean... If if we ever on B thirty three we've talked about how soccer is a soap opera, F one is definitely a soap opera. There's there's been some comments lately from uh, Mercedes complaining about some of the other teams, and then you're just like, well, just look at the last seven years and what you were doing. So don't complain about one team dominating. <laughs> Speaking of which, if there's one man my wife would leave me for, I think that would be Toto. She's in love with him. Yeah. But that's besides the point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, update us update us on where we are here in the standings. We're at the, you know, August break here. They call it the summer break. Um, it, yeah, so it's um, – we still have a top three. So we've got Red Bull at 431, Ferrari at 334, which doesn't look as far back as it does with um, – I think it's 37 points available for the – if you get a 1-2. Um, and then Mercedes with 304, which, considering how terrible they were at the start of the season, it's they're only like 30 points back from where they were last year because yeah. they just had so many failures. Just a couple um, podiums away from really from catching Ferrari there. Yeah, and then Alpine, Claren, basically within four points of each other, and then Alfa Romeo and with 50, and then. We go down and Williams with three. So, which is... Yeah. So basically, we got those top three Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, the big boys. Mm-hmm. Then you got the battle for fourth, McLaren and Alpine. And then kind of the rest. 
um, kind of just scrape it up points, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the fourth place battle is pretty interesting to me, especially with all the drama going on right now with silly season, Alpine and, uh, or Alpine, excuse me. Yeah. And, um, what about the drivers? We got Max at the top, right? Way up there. Yeah. So, yeah. Max is 75 points above, uh, Leclerc and Leclerc is in a good battle with Sergio. He's only five points back. And then. George Russell is only a couple points behind him. And well, even like four through six are only 12 points apart, which, yeah, it's basically can be, it's going to change next race weekend. Yeah. And then Lando's back 76 with 76 points. And then we get down to uh, the parts where no one really cares. And Frankly, for most of these drivers, I well, would say except that, when you're down at Latifi with zero, it's kind of like, eh. yeah, he's done, right? I mean, like, he's, <laughs> he's a, such a nice guy. Watch like the behind the scenes. Yeah, he, just, he, I, I would love to see him in IndyCar next year. So, IndyCar can kind of be seen as like the the higher level formula two because it's all the same car it's all the same um basically it's just bringing a good setup to the track but it's um it's only in the u.s and canada and a lot of drivers come back to indycar um so who was it who just marcus marcus erickson just came back over and he's doing really well in indycar so it's i'm hoping he comes back i'm hoping he comes to the states and we have a uh, yeah the um, the man on fire is an IndyCar right Grosjean yeah yeah Grosjean I um I got to see IndyCar race when we lived in Baltimore City they had a, a Baltimore Grand Prix it's actually pretty fun I, I think that's the race where the cars were like catching air yes because the roads are so bad yep yeah they oh, uh, so like, yeah, I, I remember that race because they were like going over train tracks and they were just like, yeah, we're just going to make the cars just fly over. It'll be fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Max is way up there. I think he even read somewhere he can get like third the rest of the way and then have a couple fastest laps and still win the championship no matter what Charles wins. Like, yeah, it, it, it's hard race. to it's hard to say because you can very easily get crashed out. I mean, that that's basically what made last year interesting for lack of a better term yeah. was that Max got crashed into by a Mercedes a couple of races in a row and lost all those points and then everything happened. But yeah, it's, I, I don't, there's. Yeah. On another pod, I, I want to, I want to talk to you about on another pod that uh, drama the last year, you know, cause I yeah. found that really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 yeah. So, there's there's eight races left, and I, I don't see. There's just there's not a track that I don't see them doing well at. Maybe, maybe Mexico, but even that, it's they're so far ahead in so many ways, and Ferrari's doing their best at making sure that whatever decision they make. But what? Strategy. Yeah. So I I know nothing about racing, but I'm sitting here watching this past race in Hungary, and watching. Ferrari do these pits and I'm texting you like what you weren't watching it live I don't believe you're like I'll watch later it's like what are they doing like I don't even know what I'm talking about but I know this isn't right 
Yeah, so basically what they're the only explanation is that they they thought that they were going to get rain. So uh, what Ferrari did that race was I think they went medium medium and then they went hard because the rain that they were expecting didn't happen, but the hard tire was useless at that track. They knew that the soft tire wasn't going to last the rest, but they thought, okay, maybe we've got a chance with the hard. I don't know why you would do that during the race, but it didn't work out and they had to switch to sauce anyway. And it was just, they've, they've had bad strategies for years. And a lot of the time it looks easier um, with hindsight, but that was definitely a, you need to be able to trust your pit wall. And when Sainz's uh, engineer was telling him, I don't know why we did that. That is the worst thing you can possibly say. I didn't like it back at Renault, but I'm sorry. He's grown on me, Sainz. Yeah, I, I was a big fan of his when he was at Alfa Tori, or Scuderia mm-hmm. Toroso, and then he, it, it, there were some things that we'll get into that he did that I didn't. Yeah, so I want, I want to do a pod in the future where we kind of focus on some of those lower teams that, like, I know nothing about, like, Alfa Romeo and Alfa Tori, other mm-hmm. than Alfa Tori's fashion is awful. Does anyone actually buy that stuff? I don't think so. I mean, oh I, I don't, I also, I don't know why you would go from one of the easiest things in the world, which is making sugar drinks into fashion, which is one of the hardest things in the world. And it, yeah, and it's not, I don't think it's working. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe Austria knows something we don't know. Yeah. So should we, should we talk a little about silly season? Is that what they call it? Silly when uh, all the drivers move? It, yeah. So uh, silly season this year has been, Probably the best silly season I've been part I've been a part of since. Uh, so, yeah, so that means like the drivers moving teams and stuff, and I didn't realize how much they do that. Mm-hmm. And I thought this year was all squared away because pretty much most of the drivers were signed through 2024. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking, oh, next year is going to be or 2023, excuse me. So you're gonna, next year you're going to have basically the same sort of teams, maybe a couple shuffles. But then I guess the Vettel, the Vettel retirement announcement was the big. Yeah, so Vettel announced his retirement. Um, he was on a two-year deal, and I just being on 16 points with this many races, it's not going to get that much better next year. So he decided to leave, and one of the rumors was that so. Um, who's the guy going to McLaren? Oh, Oscar, Oscar, Piastri? Yeah, so uh, Oscar, um, his manager is Mark Webber, who's, who's also Australian, and he's good friends with Alonso. So one of the rumors that happened was that, so Alonso is going to um, Aston, Aston Martin, Martin to take Vettel's spot. And okay. the rumor was that they had had a conversation earlier in the year, and Alpine or Alpine had a option on Oscar for 2023, but they had to do, they had to sign it by July 31st. They didn't do that. Mm -hmm. So Alonzo left, they signed with McLaren and that throws everything in because Alpine tried to do their option, but they were too late apparently the other issue is that McLaren now has three drivers for 2023 <laughs> and 
in the IndyCar side, there's a driver who's trying to drive for them for a drive for 2024. Yeah, they got like five, six drivers for two seats, right? Yeah, and um, that's so basically they have lawsuits on both sides of the pond, and um, Daniel Ricardo, who's currently driving for McLaren, has a valid contract for next year, but any contract in F1 can be broken with enough money. Oh, yeah. So, it's, so yeah, I'm uh, really interested to see how that, I mean, honestly, what I would like to see is Danny Rick go back to Alpine, which is Renault, where he was, mm-hmm. and just kind of him and Alpine kind of show McLaren, hey, F you, this is, we're better than you think you are. Because um, Oscar kind of, I guess he, he, the rumor was that they wanted him to, you know, they thought they were going to get Alonzo, Alpine did, for mm-hmm. another year or two, and they are going to have Oscar go down to possibly Williams and drive for a year or two. That makes sense. And he yeah, didn't want to do that, and so he was like, screw you guys, I'm going to go look. And, and nothing's confirmed yet, but we think he's going to McLaren, which gets Danny Rick out. Yeah, Where do you think Danny then, Rick goes? You know, a lot of people say Alpine. Some people say maybe he'll go to Haas or Williams, or maybe he'll just completely out and go to IndyCar or Formula E. I, I, so when he left Red Bull, I said at the time it was never going to win a race, and I was proven wrong last year. Um, I would say the best career move would be to go to IndyCar or to Le Mans, WEC. Um, but I think he's going to stay, and he'll probably go to Al- Alpine. And there's been I, room, rumors that well, Latifi's gone. Like he's he hasn't admitted it, but he's not going to be involved next year. And they resigned Albon, Albon right? When yes. Yeah, they did just, and the his announcement was hilarious because the announcement that Oscar made was basically like he was announced as an Alpine driver for next year, and he was. He was like, no, I, I, it was something along the lines of, I've been informed that Alpine has said that I have, I've signed a contract with them without my acknowledgement. So I, I'm not going to be driving for them. And then Albon responded with being like, Williams has announced and I have agreed to uh, drive for the team for 2023. With my acknowledgement. Yeah. It was pretty much the same yeah. thing, but just kind of made everyone laugh. Yeah. I think it would look really bad for Danny Rick to kind of, keep moving down, you know, Red Bull, Renault, McLaren, and then you go to like Williams or Haas, it's just kind of fading away. It's not a good look. Uh, yeah. I, I, the grid is going to be broken up more, but I mean, there's still, I'm looking at the, the driver's sheet, right? Or the driver's standards right now. There's 110 points between first and sixth. Sixth to seventh is another 70 points. So you're not winning the championship with McLaren, Alpine, Alfa Romeo, or Haas no. right now. Um, maybe in two to three years, but he's... We're both the same age, but he's at the age now where it's uh, like you are you don't have that time to just sit around in, in a seat. You need to... Your next move needs to have maybe two years. Yeah, I like Danny Rick. I, you know, I liked him when I first, and then he kind of annoyed me through that show. Then I listened to some interviews, like the Dax Shepard one, and like I really started to like him again. He's just like a down earth guy, and mm-hmm. um, it, it, yeah, I think that's that's one of the other recommendations I would make about anyone is. I know I complained about Lewis, but 
follow them during a race weekend, but then follow them outside and see what they're mm-hmm. actually like. Because you don't get to Formula One without shitting on some people to get there. there everyone's got a body count. Everyone's got a people that they've wronged in certain situations to get to where they are. Vettel did it when he was racing against Weber. Every driver on the grid has an example of that. So everyone has an example of you've been a shitty person. But then see how they are outside of the race weekend with all that pressure and choose choose it from there. Oh, yeah. And, you know, this stuff's changing all the time. I'm always refreshing. I'm sure tomorrow there'll be another silly rumor out there. Yeah. So what's your big, uh, what's your big, like, what do you think is going to happen here? You know, the racing starts back up, I think, August 30th, mm-hmm. 31st, something like that. What's um? What do you think is going to happen in second part of the season? Do you like what? What's your big prediction? I, I guess. I think a team from the bottom, well, bottom six, is get is going to win a race. Yeah. So uh, that'd I be fun to see. Yeah, because uh, uh, the, the racing has been a lot closer. Um, last in twenty nineteen twenty twenty, we were seeing teams where they were the, the top two teams were. 60 to 90 seconds ahead of fourth place. Like it was just absolutely ridiculous. We're not at that level now. I could see with a, enough crashes and some some technical issues that I mean it'd be hilarious if Danny Danny Rick won a race <laughs> <laughs> oh, or a lot or something like in the yeah. even yeah. um shit gosh yeah well uh, and uh, Ocon's first win Vettel almost won that race and then. He didn't get second, but honestly, I mm-hmm. don't think he cares at that point. But um, yeah, I, I could I could definitely see like Monza throwing up some mm-hmm. shenanigans. What do you think is going to happen? I don't know. You know, I think Max is going to hold off. I'm interested to see. A lot of people don't like, you know. Well, I shouldn't say it. a lot of people like, but I don't really like Lane or not Lando, but um, George Russell. Seems mm-hmm. kind of cocky to me. Maybe it's just the Brit thing, but I didn't like the way he handled the Williams exit. But he's outperforming, mm. you know, Hamilton right now. And it's just really interesting. I think Hamilton's going to catch him. Um, yeah. Him so, it's, so, yeah, Russell had. Every, Russell and Schumacher had a very similar upbringing through the junior formulas. So they would do okay the first year and then win the championship the second year. And they, they both did that each year. Then Russell got stuck at Williams when they were still owned by the Williams family, and they were just they were dog shit. Um, there were a couple he of races cried, where they a point though. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I think he does. I, I think he sees himself as the next Lewis Hamilton, and he knows what what that brings to his image, and. That's a little bit where I was a Lewis Hamilton fan in the two, 2000s, and I'm not so much anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I could see him. The, the other thing also is he went to Mercedes because they've been the dominant team, and they weren't this year. So he's probably mm-hmm. got a chip on his shoulder that he waited all these years as a Mercedes F1, or as a Mercedes junior driver, and then goes in now there. Now, he did, he did like, get pole position last race at Hungary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hungary is a very specific track. It's it's almost like Monaco, in that it's it does 
the car is more, or the driver is more important there than a lot of races. Um, and typically it's been very hard to pass, which also might be part of the reason why Ferrari had their stupid strategy was before the, the changes, it was a lot easier for teams to uh, hold people off. And But it was very clear early on in the race that that wasn't going to happen. I guess that's the only other thing I'm really looking forward to is to see what happens with Ferrari because just it's as a I think they're really fan, excited about the Alpine news right now because taking the focus away from them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as a Vettel fan, like Vettel never got super close to a champion. He got pretty close, I think, in 2018, but it fell apart and. He never got and it never went to like the final race of the season. It was always two to three races before he would go to go to Hamilton. Um I do still think he probably lost a championship or maybe two at at Ferrari because of their poor strategy. And that's going on five years now. And just going back even further, there was a uh there was a time that the only time I've ever seen it happen, which I don't think you can even do this anymore, is that at Malaysia, when Kimi Raikkonen was driving for them, they put wet tires on his car in the dry because they thought rain was coming and they had to pit because they needed fuel. And yeah, that didn't work out for them. I really want to learn more about him. He seems like an interesting fellow. Kimi yeah, he's... He, He's a lot of people's favorite driver. He's one of my friends' favorite driver. I've met him a couple times. He's Finnish, right? Yep. Yeah, my wife's Finnish, so she's soft spot for him and Botas and all those guys. Mm-hmm. Anyway, should we wrap this bad boy up? I mean, we I think we could do all sorts of pod episodes on yeah. uh, different teams, you know, history, you know, race, race wrap-ups, things like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, we're we're in the middle of the summer break, so there's well, typically there's not much going on, but this year it's a little different. And um, anyone listening, if you've got any questions for us, feel free to. Uh, do we have a, a Twitter yet? Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll come up with a uh, Formula Vaughn uh, Twitter account and link it to the yeah. Valiant Thirty Three. Hey, give us yeah, your so comments. Let us know if you like it. If you don't like it, you know we'll stop doing it. But you know, yeah. I'm really excited about this because I'm getting into Formula One. It's just fun to talk about. Generally, no. But yeah, exactly. So yeah, if you want, if you have any questions, email us at valiant thirty three podcast at outlook dot com. Email the uh, or tweeted us at valiant thirty three, and just make it a little bit clearer that you're asking an F one. Cesarini, cars number three, and that's on my desk. All right, so we'll wrap it up. Good talk, Stu. But yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I, I like that. So. Uh, See you next time, guys.